Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. Hi, I'm Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. All right, everybody. Well, here we are. This is going to be a bonus podcast, Lanny. And it's uh, but there's a lot of good information that can be learned here, especially it's real, it's very well timed. You really need to listen to as much about shooting at turkeys as possible. So I'm glad we're talking about this today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've missed quite a few. Yeah. Through the years. I I don't think it was necessarily because of your gun. I just think it was because the way you were looking down the barrel, though. It could have been, you know, as I get older, my eyes have changed. And, and, uh, I, I know shooting with glasses is a, I've just thrown them away. I've just given that up. So. <laughs> That's a constant problem it for is me. A problem. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm a, I'm glad to talk about. It. Excited to talk about it. Yeah. So, uh, welcome everybody, West Point, Mississippi, the Gamekeeper Studio. We've got Dudley here. Lanny is with us. Uh, Rob's on the board. Richie was on taking the mic a, too. Was doing some editing in his office when I left. So I was proud to see that. That's good. He's probably taking a nap now that mm-hmm. he knows we're in here. But uh, we've got our guest today is none other than Rob Roberts. There he is. I appreciate y'all having me here. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. If, if you're a turkey hunter, you've probably heard of Rob Roberts' custom gun works, but he is the preeminent guy at taking a gun and doing some aftermarket work and making it just have an unbelievable pattern. And so today we're going to ask him some questions and kind of learn of tips and what we Tactics. techniques there we you can do. Techniques. Like yeah. It. I like it. So, Rob, how you doing? Doing great. It's uh, that time of year. We're absolutely going nuts in here. We've got guns stacked to the ceiling. And, uh, you know, turkey guys are really anxious because they like to start when it starts and go all the way through till it ends. And that's hitting several different states. And, and a lot of them are open right now. So it's crazy. I yeah, it's so. You know, yeah. uh, Rob, it, it, one of the things, uh, you know, through the years we would just go to the – you know, to our sporting goods store, and you'd buy a Browning A5, and you'd ask for a full choke. And, and get you and, some number five and six shots. <laughs> yeah. That's what and, you did. And, and things have kind of started changing oh, and improving. Now there's revolutionary chokes. stuff. Yeah, it really is. Super tight chokes. And now they that's made me miss a turkey or yeah, two. Oh, the God, first yeah. turkey gun it, I had didn't even have screw in chokes. So you yeah. had to have a full barrel. You know what I mean? The first one I had had a 36-inch barrel. 36? 36. In case you missed them, you could just that, whack them on the head. Yeah, it was a Marlin Goose gun? It, it was, was a, it was a, I, well, it may not have been the first one, but I, at one time I had a 10-gauge 
single shot with a 36-inch <laughs> barrel. And one time, I'll tell you the story, and when I got rid of it, A, it is that knock the filling. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, is that tooth. that bad tooth you have? <laughs> <laughs> and then B, I had a turkey come up on me one time, and I was getting all excited like I prone Tend to, to do. And there's two switches. There's the the way you cock, you cock the hammer had back. Had hammers on it. Yep. And then there was another switch right next to it that you mashed, and it would eject the shell. <laughs> is this a single shot? Single shot. Boy, you were a glutton for punishment, weren't you? So this old bird gets out there and starts coming up, and I'm thinking, all right, I need to cock this thing. (laughs) And instead of cocking it, I hit the (laughs) shell. And that shell went shooting out over my shoulder, and I was not able to recover from that. Do you still have this gun? No, I got rid of that gun. Somebody got a deal on that. (laughs) Yeah, I bet they did. (laughs) I'm old, like, I'm I'm sure I'm probably older than everybody, y'all combined, but... um, yeah, I remember those days. My first one was a Browning with the 32-inch full choke barrel, you know. I mean, that was as far as it goes. That's right. But, Long and tight as it gets. Yeah, I can remember one time spinning around shooting a turkey, and when I did, blood went out the nose. Both eyes were watering, and finally I sat there and blinked a few times, and then I could see feathers coming up in the sun. I thought, well, I did good, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, got you know, we got out doing those 10 gauges, you know. that yeah. That's that's what's crazy. So yeah. it's uh, technology and stuff has really come a long ways on that. So we'll get there. First question I'd like to ask is like, so if you're a guy like Lanny and you got your dad's old Browning, a5 with a full choke in it. No screw-in choke, just standard chokes. Or Dudley, you've got the same situation, I, yeah, I think. Got so old these, 870. These new shells that are out with these uh, heavy loads and you know, Apex is a brand that we shoot. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. but are those safe to shoot through those old barrels? You know, the majority of them now, when we, when we first started playing with the TSS stuff and everything, uh, no. I mean, you would split barrels. You were warm barrels you was kind of tearing them up but the technology just like you guys um apex federal all these guys that are putting the tss stuff out there right now um they changed the wads up you know i was hand loading my own and doing all that kind of stuff you know several years back when we first started playing with it but uh to be honest with you most of the time it is yeah i mean uh unless you just look down and it looks like that barrel's completely wore out uh, it's still thick enough. It's holding it, especially if you're using like the TSS nines because the shot is smaller. Um, I, I'd say on the majority of it, yeah, it's it's all safe. Yeah. So Dudley, you had a question you want to start with? Well, uh, you know, I, I just mentioned my dad's old standard weight eight seventy with the long barrel and the full choke. Uh, I had it worked on a while back, and uh, I was going through your website and. I actually had some things done that I, I think you don't recommend, you know, uh, uh, sometimes the barrels can be too thin on, on certain shotguns and things like that. But so how, uh, but people have been lengthening forcing cones and, and porting and that kind of thing. So, uh, for a long time, uh, sure. how has that evolved and, and how has that gotten better, especially with it, the Rob Roberts stuff? Well, you know, and still, just like a lot of European guns are coming out here and a lot of guns that are supposed to be USA guns are European guns also. But uh, so they're still coming with the forcing cones in them. Um, you know, I know there's several. I know Browning, for one, uh, doing the forcing cones. They're actually building around it from the get-go. And so uh, it kind of depends where they go. But uh, the forcing cones is still one of the main things that comes out. And what we do is 
you know, we build our own custom reamers to whatever. We pilot them to the board. We don't just go get a, you know, everybody says, well, anybody can do it. And uh, sure, but not everybody does it right, you know. And so we pilot it to it. So when you go in and you cut it, it's 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 cut and polished back. And that's that is one of the main thing, because at that point, that does allow the board, to, you know, take over and then let your choke dudes do what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, so I know what you're fixing to ask, yeah. Randy. Can you explain a forcing yeah, cone? Yeah, what is a forcing cone? I didn't know I had so many of them. Yeah, I got a USP. <laughs> I could. If, if you take your barrel off your gun and look at it down the barrel from the receiving end, okay, it looks just past the chamber. It'll look like a, an O-ring in there. It's just a, that's not what it is, but that's what it's going to appear to be on you. And that is your forcing cone. So I'm going to try to show you this where it, it's kind of like a wind gate. So in the old days when they had um, – cardboard and paper wads and stuff like that, which nobody's shooting that stuff anymore, but I guess still in Europe, they do it. Um, that basically was forming that um, where it go through. So it's a wind gate by lengthening, pausing it, we're opening it up into the bore. Now you've got just a straight shot. So you're actually, you're taking back pressure off your shoulder. So you will have a little felt recoil difference and um, it's not, you know, it's not deforming the shot in any way. Now you got a straight shot. Let your let your bore do the thing, and then when you get to your choke tube, um, that I mean, it's a whole different world, and it does. Uh, every once in a while, somebody will say, "Well, you know what? I did the forcing cone, and my shot pattern uh, got worse." I'm not going to say it can't happen, but that would be a rare deal. And when it does, if if it does, it usually is on your large board gun, say a ten gauge. Or like a Mossberg 835, sometimes there's no need in doing them because the bore is already so big, the forcing gun really ain't doing anything because it's actually bigger than the shell anyway. You know, an 835 Mossberg's basically got a 10-gauge barrel on it, um, mm. which is which is good on turkeys. I mean, that, that's been a turkey gun for – uh, Yeah, and I mean, it, it's worked good because the bigger the bore, the more the shorter the shot string, so you got more pellets hitting on impact, which is – a shot string is something turkey hunters never take into play, but and we can talk about that some. But but with that gun, you know the downside to those great big boars is now go duck hunting with it, and you're on a very cold day, and you get some blue loads go around or whatever, and they blow a lot of the barrels up because once again the boar's so large that the gases are going around it. Hmm. But uh, so a forcing cone is like a constriction um, at the end like of the, the shot inside the barrel. It's like <laughs> an it's an abrupt taper. Is that right, Rob? And then by lengthening the forcing cone, you're making the taper a lot less. So it's tapering forceful. the shot, and yeah. you're taking the taper out of there. Yeah, you're doing this. You're just yeah. opening it. You're gotcha. opening that wind gate up and let the flow go better. Do they? Do, will a, a, a if you shoot shoot a shotgun a whole lot, would the forcing cone change over time, or is it oh, just no. because it's harder metal? Gotcha. gotcha. We had people, a lot of folks come in and say, hey, if we do the forcing cone, will that change our point of impact? No, uh, gotcha. not the way we do it because we pilot our, our reamers and everything. It's not a drill, it's a reamer. So we pilot them front and back to the bore. So when it goes in, it's it's only cutting. It's not moving it around anyway. So, gotcha. so no. Huh. Interesting. In, in old days, they used to have different lengths that they would take them, and some of them would put them on a small board gun. And they'd get out there trying to do a six inch or, you know, taking them too far. And then you're getting into the concentricity of the barrel and then barrels were bulging and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, ours won't do that. I mean, we, 
we're aware of all the problems you can have, so we try to nip that before it ever gets started, you know? Yeah. So if a guy buys a, a, a gun, the, the gun that he likes, one that fits him, one that's comfortable, one that's dipped in camo, looks going to be a great turkey One in gun. bottom land, of course. Yeah. yeah. So he can send it to you, and what all do you recommend that you that uh, that is done to the gun, and what, what will that do for the gun? Yeah, and, and we can also dip it in bottom lands if it's not yeah. there. There we go. But uh, but at the same time, yeah, normally um, we take them in, in, like I said, with the way ammo is and the way people are, are, you know, are trying to find it and expense and everything. We even do the pattern testing on our uh, on our analysis machines. So we actually guys, they can do a little or nothing, but a lot of times they'll send it in. Like you said, have them dipped, seracoded, whatever the case may be for for the looks, but uh, forcing cones, porting, trigger jobs. Uh, we build the chokes. We do the pattern testing. Uh, you know, we can take them out, run them through, and try. Like like you said, we can try through all your different types of ammo. It shoots this. Like you said, you guys are shooting apex. When you turn around and go, hey, look, this apex load of straight nines is the dope right here. Even on the duck side, you know, you go in and say you can shoot this, but uh, um, we're showing them what the patterns are, where your point of impact is. Um, we try to have it so all you got to do is worry about where the turkeys are. Yeah, and one thing that one thing that we've learned that playing with these really good guns is that the, all guns don't shoot straight. Nope, absolutely not. They it's it's amazing. Even your very expensive guns, how they do not shoot straight, and uh, um, that is a problem. And you know we won't go into picking on the gun companies on which ones or whatever, but some model here don't shoot. This one over here does. And it's really tough. And and when you're playing with turkey guns, especially, the tighter you get those constrictions and the tighter the pattern, the more noticeable uh, the point of impact is. So you can go out here with a skeet choke in your gun and nobody ever noticed that gun shoots great. It shoots this. That's because you're throwing a horse tub at them, you know. But when you start getting them down to where they're shooting six-inch circles and this type, you know, everything inside of 10, and, and you got that turkey at, 10 feet you're blowing slugs past his head that's another uh you know you do trigger jobs i was reading about that you uh on certain shotguns you can get them to about three and a half pounds well we're not really shooting a shotgun at turkeys anymore we're we're pretending we've got a rifle and aiming small and missing small so i know most of y'all have felt the trigger pull on your shotgun and it's just mushy and it eventually goes off but some of them are absolutely horrible. And some of them, there's not really nothing you can do. Certain model guns, and, you know, once again, we're not here to pick on anybody, but uh, some of your cheaper model guns that you go in and go, hey, I'd like to do a trigger job, and it's like, no. no. But on, on your other ones, especially uh, some of those other, take them down to three-and-a-half-pound pool is really as far as where you want to go, but you get the creep out. So what, what happens um, – like a right-handed shooter, a lot of times, if he's got a horrible trigger on his gun, that turkey comes in, you got a turkey at 25 yards, you pull up on him, you pull, and if the trigger's hard, plus you flinch, you're going to miss him low right just about every time. I mean, it, you're just going to pull away from him. And so when the trigger goes off when it's supposed to, you're going to notice you kill more turkeys. He's selling me, Lanny. Oh, I, I know you're here. That's why I'm um, there. You overdo it, I, <laughs> I, I, I've killed a bunch of them, and I've missed a bunch of them. So I, I mean, it's, uh, it's I've been doing it a long time. So 
it does help. It happens. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, the, the tree questions I get, I'm sure he gets these same questions just over and over and over, but like the one more question I have is, uh, I noticed on all of your guns, uh, the chokes, the choke tubes that are installed on your guns are not ported, uh, for the most part. Can you, can you explain that? Sure. And, and I'm going to tell you, we just came out with our new Raptor series of choke and, and I, and, uh, I'll, I'll try not to make it too long, but what we were actually trying to do is I never liked a ported choke and I'm not trying to cuss everybody out sure. there and, sure. and I don't put negativity towards anybody, but my experience with it. And the reason I don't like ported chokes was especially on Turkey guns, you know, people thought there for a long time and a lot of companies were trying to sell it, that if you port the choke, it's going to take recoil. That is not true. you got to pour it in on the barrel to get the recoil out of it. It's uh, and when it's too late, once it gets out there past the choke. And so what, what's going on with them, it's a wad stripper. Okay. And so because of the porting and whatever design it is, it's stripping away the wad, which is letting the shot get out a little quicker, hmm. which is not necessarily a bad thing, but the point of impact, what I notice is on the pattern board, you take this gun out there and sometimes it would shoot left, then it'd shoot right, then it'd go up. And I'm not talking about like four feet out of the way, but you'd notice a couple inches here, a couple inches over there. So it was not consistent with a non-ported choke. It was consistent. And so we we spent three months playing with ported chokes. And once again, I know I'm probably stepping on some people's toes and they're like, we hate this guy. We're, you know, I probably have somebody here with a baseball bat here in a little bit beating on me. But uh, the, uh, the what we found was we went in and we tried. I was going to do some with teeth marks like a gator and all this kind of stuff. But we tried elliptical porting, straight line porting, uh, just cuts, teardrops, holes, diagonals, all this stuff. We got to the point where we were taking choke tubes out. We had them to where they were shooting and everything was great. And then we'd go outside and shoot that exact choke through that exact gun with that same box of shells. And we were losing pellets. And and I'm going to chalk it up to it was the way we were porting. I'm, you know, that way I'm not in a fight with everybody. But in reality, it didn't matter what we did. Every time we ported choke, we were losing pellets like out of the 20-inch type circle. And so... um. This took about three months worth of this, and this is how I come up with this new Raptor choke. And what we've done different on this choke tube is we went in, we were trying to get it down to where we could figure out we wanted a one-size-fits-all, and that's not always the case, but especially with the new TSS loads and everything that's out there, uh, we wanted something that was, you know, if you're using a Browning, you're using a Beretta, and you're using a Benelli, um, this is your choke. You know, this this is where it's going to go. This is what's going what you're going to find. And so um, we had to we threw the porting of it away. We ended up making what I call a tula cut inside it. We went we we started playing with that. We started playing with knurling. We we were scratching chokes. We were doing every uh, wad strippers. We were trying all this stuff to try to beat what we were doing. Well, when I finally come up with this little tula cut, and it's a complete. I mean, it's a complete circle. So when it does hit, it's going to be consistent every single time. And, uh, man, we're having good luck with it, just to say the least. But getting back on why we don't port them, that was the main reason was we wanted the point of impact, especially on a turkey gun, because that you need that one to shoot straight. 
because like I said, you're tight, um, especially on your birds up close. If you've done a good job, uh, you got a bird 20, 20, 25 yards with this new TSS and stuff that's out there. You're shooting softballs at them, you know, and uh, you either that or just body shoot every one that comes in, you know. <laughs> which tears up your beards and everything. So, Rob, could you speak to, in in your opinion, you've looked at a lot of guns. So let's just, you know, we kind of advocate shooting a turkey between 20 and 35, 40 yards, you know, somewhere right in there. 25 yards probably being ideal. But Mm. things happen. They get close, and sometimes there's one that just hangs up at 50, and you want to try him, and you feel like you can. But what what is – you know, you see a lot of stuff on guys posting. Boy, look how tight my pattern. What what is a what would you say would be the best diameter of a pattern, or how would you describe something that a guy should be happy with? You no, know, I had a <clears throat> I had a guy come to the NWTF convention. A couple guys come in there and they brought patterns, and he he showed me the pattern. It's like, hey, look, this is our patterns, and we've got a problem. I'm looking at, it and I said, I don't see your problem. I said, I'm not, you know, I. It's not a problem, you know, and, and of course it was on a small target. It was on like an eight and a half by 11 sheet, but it was completely covered, even with pellets. That's not a problem. You don't, you know, and I, we never went into the games and I'm not trying to, you know, knock the NWTF when they used to have their shoot silhouette shoots. We never went, you know, that, those guys were out there playing a card shoot game. They were trying to get everything in a three inch circle. If you've got everything in a three inch circle, you're going to miss more turkeys than you it had if you was, you know, didn't have bullets in your gun, you know, it, um, you won't, I per, I prefer to see mine at about a 20 inch circle. Yes. Everybody wants to count a 10 inch and see what it is to know that it's, it's core. But once again, I like a 20 inch because if you get a, if you get a bird out there 35 yards and you've had them do that snake trick where they're standing here and then all of a sudden they, you know, drop their head <laughs> yeah. and do whatever. Well, you missed him if you're too tight. I want to make sure that basically if he sticks his head, and, and we did this for a while on our on our computer machine, we had a 15-inch circle, and we were calling it the true turkey factor. So if he stuck his head anywhere inside that 15-inch circle at 40 yards, we could tell whether he was dead or not. And we wanted complete, even pattern out there, kind of like in that 15-inch circle at 40 yards. If he sticks his head in that ring, he's dead. He's not going to escape it. And uh, – you know, that's that's part of the TSS compared to the lead. You know, back in the old lead days, which we talked about earlier, um, I was a guy that always tried to get my gun to shoot fours because lead, which still works, lead, lead works fine. But lead works because of the shock. You know, it hits, it flattens out, kills a turkey. Well, the TSS, it's not flattened out. That's why these nines and stuff are working so good because it's breaking bone and it's puncturing and there's a whole lot of swarm of bees hitting it. And it's going straight through, so it's not dying. They're not dying by shock; they're dying because they're broke down, you know. And so uh, that—I mean—that's that's just a kind of, you know, some of the things like we're at we're talking about. Well, and one of the things I've noticed, if a guy has been shooting lead historically, and he goes and buys a box of Apex, it's going to shoot differently out of the gun. My experience is it shoots higher. But, uh, I mean, I don't know if that's everybody's, but I think a guy needs to go back to the drawing board and pattern his gun and make sure that point of impact is where it needs to be. Absolutely. You, that, you've got to do that. You've got to take it out there and shoot it. And, you know, or like I said, people send them to us. We'll go out and shoot them. And if, if there's a problem, it's like, okay, call this guy and explain with this load, this gun's shooting way over here. What can we do to try to correct it? 
there, there are things to do. Bending barrels really is not an option. We used to try to do that years ago and stuff, but, um, I've been, I've been landish barrel. He, <laughs> he didn't realize I have, but I... that's what happened. But, but you know what? There's so many options available now to get your point of impact right, but you definitely you have to have that right. Because, like I said, we're we're uh, this is a different ball game. This is the only time you're actually aiming your shotgun. You know, you're not aiming at ducks or pheasants or quail or anything like that, but you do aim it at a turkey. Because now we're talking silhouette targets, which is kind of like that shot string we talked. You know, I was telling you about earlier, and that's that's something that a lot of guys don't uh, don't go into. Um, is if I'm sitting here and I'm putting, you know, I've got a good even pattern. Let's go back to that. So if I've got a good even pattern, let's say in a 15, 20-inch circle at 40 yards, it's just everything's perfect. And But I've only got, let's say, with TSS, let's say we're only getting 200 pellets in a 10-inch circle. Um, well, that's okay. And he's shooting lead. He's still got the same overall great pattern. But he's only getting 125 pellets in a 10 inch circle. It don't really matter because on a turkey, there's a shot string. When that when that gun goes off, the shot goes in the air, and it you know whether it's six, eight feet long, all the shots you know it's not it's not a bullet. It's a shot string. So when this bird's standing there and it hits him, the bird goes over. The rest of the pellets go right over his head anyway. So you know we do have a lot of guys that go, hey, my buddy sent his gun in and. He's getting 10 more or 12 more pellets in a 10 inch than I am. Well, okay. I've never <laughs> thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Shot string. yeah, I know. Uh, sure. I would, I would think especially with ducks that are in flight, that can make yeah. a, a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. Cause of, you know, at the, at that, if you're shooting, you know, if you're a little too far in front of the duck, the, the rear end of the shot string takes him down. You got it. But on a Turkey, you know, like I said, you got it's more of a silhouette target. On paper, it looks great because paper's not moving. The paper didn't fall over when the first pellets hit it. You know, you're seeing the whole load hit it. Well, that whole load's not hitting the turkey hmm. unless you're at ten feet and you body shoot him. Then yeah, he's pretty much toast. But uh, so, is there a constriction, if that's the right word, uh, that you like that you prefer for turkeys? I I see the number five sixty on a lot of chokes that are deemed it, it turkey does. chokes? And, and I'll, I'll be honest, our chokes compared to this guy's choke or that guy's choke are different because choke tubes are built different with the parallel sections and stuff like, you know, some people put different parallels. Some don't even put any parallel. And what that is, is that's inside the choke tube. We used, uh, basically ours are, are one-inch parallels. And so what we found was um, if you picture an hourglass, and you flip it upside down, and the sand goes through that hour, you know, goes down through the spout, and you see, your, you know, it, it broadens out like that. Well, if you take that and you make that spout a little longer, not any, not any bigger or smaller, just a little longer, you see that that sand starts to go down a little farther before it starts spreading. It just kind of holds that pattern, if you would, a little longer. But what we found was you can go too far. So, we tested from zero to two and a quarter inch type parallels on longer chokes and everything. And what we found was an inch to an inch and an eighth was the parallel that we preferred. That's where we liked it. So we, we stayed at the one inch so that, you know, the transition and everything that's actually going on inside the choke tube, um, is, is working. So, um, 
you know, that's, that's just another transition. So, you know, kind of like the forcing cone, if you make all this smooth and you got a good smooth transition and you get it to hold pattern longer, your success is going to be a whole lot better, especially on these, on turkeys. So that. Yeah. So is it fair to say like 560 is like the, the, the ideal for, I guess we're talking 12 gauge. Now I'm uh, five sixty be on a twenty gauge, and ah, and what? Yeah, <laughs> be awful tight on the twelve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I got that backwards, but I, that's what I'm I'm shooting a twenty, so that's why I got that in my mind. But, but exactly, the five sixty is probably the most common on the twenty gauges on it. Um, what we found was that the five sixty on the shorter barrels was great. The five seventy is where it was on our regular choke tubes. Now, on the new Raptor version, we come out, we played with them the same thing, and we found that the 565 is where we're hitting on the Raptor, where it's just, it didn't do worth a dime in a regular choke, but because of the cut and everything that we put into this one, the 565 is where it was at. And it's just like, for example, on the 12 gauge, where you was probably thinking 650, because and, 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 that, that's a you know pretty common. Uh, we see a lot of, our normal chokes of 655 and 660 was usually where it at. And what we would tell people, if you had a, you know, the shorter barrel, because um, we deal with Benelli, we're their performance shop and all that kind of stuff. So we do tons of Benelli stuff. We turn around on it. And um, usually with their shorter barrels, the 655 choke is is where it's at. Uh, once you get to their longer barrels, say the 28 for sure, and sometimes the 26, then we'd go to 660. Well, when we put this Raptor choke into play and we did all the tests, the one choke that never did good in our constriction was a 665, which a lot of people on the market, their chokes are 665, and it works fine out of their chokes. On ours, it didn't. But this Raptor, it, that's where it's at. It's at the 665 with that cut, and it's it's tight. I mean, it, it it's doing the job. Which one are you shooting, Lanny? <laughs> quit bobby <clears throat> quit bobby. but it's you, you gotta and that's an, that's another point all these companies they write all these numbers on there and that, there have been several times in the darkness of a, a duck hunt when i've gone i wonder what in the world i, I think, wish they'd put you know better so in, i think i'm only doing one thing right that he, that <laughs> of all this stuff so well man, I mean, and my choke is not ported um but believe it or not my choke is a uh, uh, Remington extra full that, you know, mm-hmm. just standard old bar- school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and you know, just what you said, all the numbers and stuff. So what we did, um, and I come up a long time ago, I don't know. I, I'm kind of way out there at times, but I wanted to get to the point where when you had factory chokes, especially duck hunting, you'd come out there and, uh, you'd have a factory choke and it'd say, this is IC for lead. This is, but this one over here is IC for steel. Yeah. First off, if you're building the if you're building the chokes, you should be building out of something that uh, you can shoot both. You know, I mean, it's like seventeen uh, four pH stainless is what we build all of our stuff out and then heat treat. But the um, the the kicker when it comes back to it, well, that's where we had our triple threat, where we had the T one, T two, T three. Because we want to take that guesswork. And and now with the Raptor series, when that line's coming out this this summer on all the ducks and stuff, it'll be the R1, 2, and 3, you know, um, similar to the other, only it's, a you know, just different style choke. 
But what we want to do is take the guesswork. I mean, I used to shoot a lot of sporting clays back in the day, and you'd walk up to a stand, and and here's some guy up there, and he's got his looks like a fishing rod tool, and he's looking at the targets, and then he's changing this choke, and then he's changing that choke, and then he's back here, and then he's up here, and it's like, uh, you know, once you just go step it off and shoot it, I mean, you know, it's so it was aggravating. It's like shoot the dang thing. Right. So what we do was we want to get it to the point where we want to take the guesswork out of it. So we're, we're doing all the pattern testing on these guns. So we kind of know, um, and, and like, for example, uh, a Benelli has a small board bore on it. So like for ducks, the T2 is phenomenal in there, but you say you take your Browning Maxis or whatever that you were talking about, you had a while ago, you take it out or, and you shoot it. Well, actually the T3 is what that gun likes because it has the large bores. And so, um, we get into that, which is not the same as turkey, but there's there's your constrictions coming into place because your bore diameters, you put everything on it. Turkey chokes is where, where we're at here. We're talking just the same thing. I'm, I, I may be using a 665 in, in my Benelli, and you might be in Browning, and you may be using it in a Remington. It still works the same on turkeys where ducks and everything else is a, is a different ball game, which is a different story. It can it can get a bit confusing for sure. It really it really can, and I I don't mean to try to go too deep there where it does get confusing, and that's the part which we we did the T one two three basically was to take that out of your head. Right. This gun shoots. Where's the ducks? Where's the turkeys? Where you know where's that at? And you guys shoot so many of the same shotguns, and you're you're doing all the work and collecting all the data. You know, I would assume nine times out of 10, when a customer says, well, here's my Benelli, whatever, you probably already know what it needs 90% of the time. It, it really does. And it really uh, does. folks will, that are real techie, they'll go out and buy seven or eight chokes and different types of ammo and uh, may as well have just had a custom job done. So what it is, but I know some people like that part of the turkey hunting. You know, it's it's they get their buddies and they all go put up patterns and and they you know they enjoy that more than the actual hunt. And and that's uh, that's really good for you know guys like us and the shell manufacturers and everything else. You sure. know, it's, it's all great. Um, so Rob, no. what what does what would it cost a guy to send you his gun and how much lead time to get it back for turkey season do you need? Uh, a year and a half right now. Good Lord, we are covered. But I, to be honest with you, I don't keep up with the lead times and our guys in the shop do, um, you know, in the office when they are. And so as um, the flood has hit here really bad now, I mean, they're, um, they're, you know, and it also depends on what you're doing. If you're doing Cerakote and dipping, well, that takes longer as far as getting your guns in and, hey, we're going to do the forcing cones, choke tube, let's work this trigger down. And and by the way, I need it. I need a choke tube, but I want you to pattern test it and tell me which one, where, where, and I want to know what shot and all that. Um, you know, that's, that's probably two, three week time on the average right now. It's, it, it will be behind cause it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's, yeah. And it's, what, it's, so what's something like that going to cost? Let's just say that the, uh, the, the forcing cones and the two, uh, you know, to get it shooting right. Well, like, um, like, uh, and, and I don't even have all the prices, believe it or not. I don't, I don't keep up with that end of it, but like 
for instance, if you're just having the forcing combs done, it's like 75 bucks to take that out. You know, your choke tubes are all around 100 bucks these days. If you go out and pattern test, depending on what you're doing, um, I can't remember if they're, if they're 150, 200 bucks on pattern test, if, if they're using like TSS where they're going down doing all the different guys. I mean, you guys know those, those shells are about 15 bucks a piece. Yeah, yeah. No, I get so that, that sounds like a pretty good deal, mm-hmm. Lanny. Compared to duck hunting. But it, it does when they start start patterning it. But what you said earlier, it's a lot of times is is like, you know, hey, this this is what you need. And, you know, it you ought to try it, you know. And, and, and a lot of times if I'm talking to them, I try to save them money. I want them to go ahead and get that gun working and send another one in, you know. Um, but uh, we're, we're not trying to hold people upside down and shake them till all the money falls out of their pockets. We, we you know, we want to keep those guys forever. And so, uh, you know, some of that stuff, do you need, um, if you're going to do it yourself, we can help you on that, you know, uh, do the cones, do the choke, get out here. Hey, I want to shoot, like you said a while ago, you want to shoot apex shells. Okay. Well, we suggest you use this load of them. You know, th- this is what really works good with them. We've shot these, they do good. And, and we have, we've shot a lot of, uh, apex stuff, Winchester stuff, federal stuff, uh, the heavy shot stuff. Uh, we we're shooting. We try to shoot everybody's everybody's load to see. You know, if nothing else, we don't try to go in there and say, "Well, you don't need to use these guys or those guys." We say, "No, if you're using that, you need to use this choke. This is where this gun performs with that load type thing." That makes sense. Lanny, you got anything else? Dudley, you got? No, I mean, I think uh, I need to work on my shotgun. <laughs> the, the fact that, you know, you've got a big waiting list and all that speaks volumes for uh, how well your product performs and the service and all that good stuff. So, no, I've heard nothing but good things about you uh, guys. Always yeah. have. It, you've really got a good reputation. Well, we, we try to. <laughs> my so, wife probably agree with you at that time. Yeah, so Rob, I think you guys are actually customizing a gun. Moss Yoke is involved in that. Rob, do you know the details of that? Can you share? This gun will be raffled off. Some more of those details are going to come out of here shortly, but it's going to be raffled off for the benefit of the Gamekeeper Grant Fund, but also the Low Country Game Bird Foundation out of South Carolina, Scott Rhodes and those guys. Um, so I'm excited. It's a. Uh, I want to get you to talk a little bit more about what you've done with it, Rob. But tomorrow, this is kind of getting me getting my head right for getting up there tomorrow to kind of shoot with y'all. I'm excited to talk about what the gun is, what the what the gauge is, what y'all have done special with it, so that uh, guys who are interested in entering in the raffle could not know a little bit about what to expect. I got you. This um, this gun, which I have seen it, it is absolutely gorgeous. It's it's probably one of the prettiest guns that, and we. You know, I'm not, that sounds like I'm trying to toot her horn here and I'm not, but this is, this is one that the stock and forearms has been dipped in mossy oak. And then it's got the distressed, all the metal parts are distressed in, um, Cerakote. And I wish I could actually show it to you. I've got it on my phone there. Um, I think they're, they're holding off before they, they, I, I think tomorrow you're going to see a whole bunch of it, which we'll really get into detail with it tomorrow. But this is absolutely one. You know, it's got slammer buttons, cocking handles. It's it's on a Benelli. This it it's gorgeous. Yeah. This is sounds like. And I believe. And I think. Uh, sub gauge as well, right? Yeah, I think this one's a. I believe it was a Super Black Eagle three twenty gauge. Twenty gauge. 
Love a 20 gauge. I can't believe they call him a sub gauge. It's a fine shooter. For some reason, I thought it was a 28, but I was. I was oh, 28 gauge. No, it is. I just, I had the, I had the picture of it on there. And like I said, I see some money I didn't know, but I noticed it had the carbon fiber barrel on it. So that's a 28 gauge. Yeah, the SB3. And I actually thought I had the produced one of those. <clears throat> I think this one beat mine. Um, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> well, look here, Robert. Is there something else that we need to be asking you about that we aren't thinking about in terms of having a well shooting turkey gun? Not, not really. I mean, a lot of people have their own ideas too. They want, you know, some people want to shoot red dots, some want to shoot scopes, some want uh, adjustable sights. And so, just like when you was asking a while ago on prices, it's hard to say because. You know, that customer will call, and then usually by the time they send a gun, especially if they're doing, you know, if they get into the Cerakote dipping type thing where it goes back and forth where, you know, just like when you see this gun, you're going to see what I'm talking about because the metal parts are, go so great with that camo on the st- on the stock and forearm. It just, it just you know, it's, a, it, it's really cool. And so a guys will, for instance, Tomorrow we will show some of this on video and everything of this gun. We'll have guns that's been in here or are in here right now, and we'll have guys go, phones will start blowing up. <laughs> hey, I want to change my gun to that. You know, oh, or I gosh. Want, we, we run into that, you know, yeah. daily. We are playing and they're toys. You know, <laughs> I'm a guy with toys too. You know, I, I understand. Big boy and, toys. Uh, oh, wow. It is. It well, is. well, Rob, this has been enlightening. I think uh, – I think Landy learned something. Oh, yeah. I got a lot of work to do. Yeah. <laughs> How, why does it take a year and a half? Well, Landy uses his as a boat paddle a lot. I mean, you know, he's, it's it's a part of my body. Yeah, you know? But yeah. I'm, I got to tell you, I would – I would I would be very embarrassed for you to look at my, my turkey gun. <laughs> However, I'm going to step my game up. Well, look, Rob, we, we – uh, I do have one, one quick question. Well, just Just – so I ran into with my uh, hunting my child, you know, that the choke was too tight is the best way to put it because I had to get the turkeys closer, you know, than the the forty forty. Yeah. You know, for, I don't like them at twenty yards, me personally. You know, it's kind of get a little close for comfort. So, are you seeing uh, anybody, you know, building guns for youth that maybe aren't as tight? Yeah, and, and uh, we do run into that a lot. But we, you know, we'll have guys that, um, you know, the way they hunt nowadays or whatever, some guys, I'm still old school. I'm like a dog chasing cars. You know, I'm still running all over the country and yeah. you know, jumping purple paint and all. No, I'm really, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, a lot of guys, you guys are hunting blinds and stuff that are sitting here. So they're turkeys with the way they set up and, you know, and they've got it all hooked up to where their birds are probably going to be 25, 30 yards to kill. They don't need super tight. And so, yes, we do run into those guys that it's like, look, I'm hunting. I'm going to kill all my stuff in here at 25, 30 yards. Uh, I don't want it so tight I'm missing them. And so at that point, you still want to go for whatever's even. And when you get a choke that is too tight, uh, like you were talking about that gun a while ago, if it starts distorting, the pattern actually opens back up and looks like it wasn't tight to start with. So, yes, you can get too tight on those chokes. And and like I said, there'll be a distortion factor um, that does just the opposite. And we would take some of those guns out um, to where you would see a graph, if you would, on patterns. We'd start off with like a 12 gauge now, and we'd take a 640, 
650, 655, 660, 665, 670, 675. And we watch the pattern, the graph, if you would go up and then back down and up hmm. again. And so we would have a gun that might shoot the 660 and the 675 almost identical. Hmm. And, uh, but the, you know, in between there, the 665 would be horrible. The 670 would be like, ah, oh, it's getting a little better. 675 here, it hits again. And it's so, uh, Interesting. It, it, it's it, it is weird, but too tight will cause distortion, and you might as well just not had it in there to start with. Yeah. yeah. So you could spend what he's charging if you. I mean, you could spend more than what he's charging trying to find the right choke for you. At fifteen dollars exactly. a throw, no it, doubt yeah, about it. Yeah. yeah. And then you know, hundred dollars a choke. Uh, right. So yeah, I think what he's got is a pretty. Uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, no doubt about it. It, it, it. it makes sense for guys. Yeah, and for precision and, you know, and knowing your gun and everything else. I mean, it's 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 valuable. Well, like I said, on turkeys, you're, you're getting so tight that you, you know, we are almost a rifle at that point. I mean, you are, you're, you know, you got to have it right where your duck guns and stuff, you know, now you're dealing with more wash tub open size patterns, but you still want it. And what we do find out is each one of these guns whether it's a Browning, Winchester, Benelli, Beretta, Remington, whatever the case may be, they all have their perks on chokes that they like. And it, and it has to do with that board diameter. And so, uh, yeah. And like I said, our guys, we, we try to tell you, you know, from the get go that you can try this, but we're happy to do it for you if you don't want us to, or if you don't want to do it yourself. And a lot of people don't have time. You know, a lot of folks don't, I'm going to go out there and go through all this stuff. No, Lanny's on Facebook all the time. He doesn't have time to do it. Onyx. That. I'm on Onyx all the time. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That, 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 he is <laughs> on Onyx. So. All right. So, Rob, Rob, you're raising your Rob Kenny over here. What, have you, are you, what's, what's going on? What do you, do you, he's raising his hand because he's on Onyx, too. Oh, he's on Onyx. <laughs> uh, okay. That's, yeah. Yeah, same goes. Uh, we're well, on on it. <laughs> well, Rob, we've enjoyed having you, Dudley. Have you got anything else you want to add? No, I, I learned a tremendous yeah. amount. Yeah. So we can't wait to see this gun. Rob's traveling. Rob Kenny is traveling over there tomorrow to take some pictures and uh, send him back as quickly as possible, yeah, please. As quickly. He's got a lot to do. Lots to do. And uh, <laughs> we are we we appreciate all you're doing for turkey hunters and for turkey hunting and, and, and with Mossy Oak right now and this, this gun you're giving away. We can't wait to see what that looks like. And Thanks a lot for all you do. Well, thank y'all for letting me come and appreciate everything. So it's robrobertsgunworks.com, guys. You go to that website and check it out. And then while we're talking about – There you go. Okay, great. And then also uh, I meant to say this at the beginning of the show, you know, um, the Gamekeeper Fieldware has a – they have a special going on right now on their turkey, the Gamekeeper turkey vest – which has kind of been overshadowed shadowed by the Mr. Fox vest and all that's been going on. But Scott emailed me and said, hey, could you guys, could you help us out a little bit? So, guys, if you'll go look at uh, GamekeeperFieldware.com, you can check out the Gamekeeper turkey vest. Is that in bottom land? It is exactly in bottom oh, land. Of course it's it is. It's a good-looking deal. Yeah, it is. And they're, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're well-made. They're not real expensive. So uh, that's a good option for guys. So. Yeah, you know, guys at Miss, this is a way you can have an excuse and try to figure out and get to the yeah. bottom of it. You shoot a Rob Roberts custom, you you won't have a good excuse for a miss. Well, I'm gonna tell you, if, if you're going to continue to miss at times. If you keep hunting like that, these turkeys are a little crazy at times. They look so big, but uh, they're real easy to miss uh, one. Yeah, we we all know that for sure. <laughs> all right, Rob, thank you. And, all right, guys. Uh, thank you around. so much, yeah. Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thank y'all. Take care. Yes, sir.
Did y'all learn anything? Oh, of course. I didn't even know all my guns, my shotguns had a forcing cone. I, I've heard about shot string for years, but it, it never registered in my mind how it works. I mean, I, I know that the string of shot is longer when it's traveling through the air, but yeah. if a duck is flying or, you know, yeah, the turkey gets hit and, and starts falling, then the rest of that shot's just going to blow right by. But in wing shooting too, that's your, I mean, that it helps. goes, it helps. It, yeah. It goes this yeah. way. Yeah. If you're swinging. I, right? I knew the shot string and I always thought about it with wing shooting, but not with, with turkey. But I mean, if you hit him with the first pellets, that's great. <laughs> you know, uh, you could, you might could start aiming low and then pull up aiming higher as you, as you go <laughs> no, and get that string no. working for you. I somehow. would suggest shooting a turkey like uh, like you shoot a deer with a rifle to to Dudley's yeah, point. Yeah, that's right. So, what uh, what do you typically aim for, Lanny? I aim for the wattles. It's the only thing I aim yeah, for. Right, where they connect with the feathers. I still old school. I shoot a ribbed uh, bead, uh, and I make sure the the rib is flat and the bead is floating on that flat space, and I put that bead right at the bottom of his waddles. And do you try to, if he's strutting, are you going to try to get him to come out of strut? I do not shoot him in the strut, typically. I want him to stand at attention, so yeah, I'll yeah. cut, and I want him to stick his head up, yeah, looking. Right. So, that's good, yeah. That's, that's the way I do it. I, don't know, you do, I think you do it the right way. What Except about you? for the, like on the story that I told um, yesterday. Sometimes it just happens. <laughs> right? It does. Yeah. No, it does. Uh, I don't think I've ever shot one in strut, uh-uh. but who uh, knows? Yeah. And then if they get inside ten yards, I think you need to drop I, down on the body. I do not like. I don't like. I mean, they'll close. get there sometimes. Oh, they will. I mean, they they definitely will. But I, I guess you would have to body shoot them. Uh, just stay out of the breast meat. Yeah, I don't know. I just can't figure out how to do it without messing the breast or the beard up. You know, I just, I just can't. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's tough. I don't want that meat messed up. I don't either. Dilemma. Dilemma. It is. It is. All right, guys. Well, good luck this weekend. I hope everybody has some fun, gets to stand on ahead. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, when the soccer games are over, I'm, I may get out there for a minute. Well, Bobby, you know, I'll be seeing you at the <laughs> gate. Yeah, so, we will. Yeah, it's going to be a we'll, race in. Yeah, we'll be together. That'll oh, be good. Right, yeah. All right, so uh, why don't you say goodbye, Dudley? Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Rob. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.